Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Everybody's talking about it. Two presidents along the Rio Grande today. One who caused the problem, the other one who knows how to fix it, who fixed it already. Joe Biden is going there because he knows that Americans are blaming him for what he did, what he created. Pretty interesting. Yep, it was kind of a photo op in a way for both sides, but I still saw something amid the photo op that just told me what's really going on here. Take a look at President Trump. Uh, I noticed when he met with people today, you know what he was doing? He was doing a lot of listening. They both made speeches, but Donald Trump was inhaling information. Whereas Joe Biden, take a look at this. He's just campaigning, just telling that guy stories, trying to get him to like him, all right? We are way beyond that. And we all know, America knows that this was Donald Trump's mission I mean, when he ran for president, June 16, 2015, how many times did he talk about the border in that speech? Something like a dozen times. I mean, some of it is incredibly memorable. We'll never forget. Not all of it, though. He went into detail, things he would do specifically, the wall and other things. Whereas when Joe Biden announced for president, he was just telling ghost stories about racism and uh, everything's horrible and dark and Donald Trump is a monster. I will immediately terminate President Obama's illegal executive order on immigration. Immediately. I will build a great, great wall on our southern border, and I will have Mexico pay for that wall. Mark my words. A brave young woman lost her life. And that's when we heard the words of the President of the United States that stunned the world and shocked the conscience of this nation. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides. Very fine people on both sides. The Charlottesville lie. A lie is a terrible way to start a campaign. A lie is a terrible thing, period. Donald Trump telling people what he's going to do for America. Joe Biden trying to scare America. The border is who Donald Trump is. In fact, eight days before he left office, after January 6th, he already announced, okay, all right, it's over. He goes to the border. This is how passionate, this is how committed and how organized it was. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, he's going to the border. What are we going to do? The border's in crisis. No, the border was organized and good for everybody. Remember this from that trip? The 25th Amendment is of zero risk to me, but will come back to haunt Joe Biden and the Biden administration. As the expression goes, be careful what you wish for. Interesting, right? And in recent weeks, people are talking about Joe Biden presents himself as an elderly man with a bad memory. And folks are talking about memory issues and uh, maybe the 25th Amendment. So when Joe is with the Border Patrol today, they don't like him. They will never like him. 
because he betrayed them. Who remembers the debacle? Not that the Border Patrol did anything wrong with the horses, remember? They're patrolling the border. But how that event was portrayed and what the Biden administration said about federal employees, what Joe Biden said about federal employees. You know, when you start your campaign saying things are racist, everything looks racist, including Border Patrol doing their job. To see people treat it like they did, horses really running them over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you, those people will pay. Right? Uh, they did nothing wrong. Everybody understands that now. I have no idea. Are they, they're in some sort of administrative limbo. But those men did nothing wrong, and the Border Patrol know it, and they know they were let down by the president. All right, so there were speeches made today. Donald Trump, let's start with his. One week ago, a beautiful 22-year-old nursing student from Georgia was barbarically attacked, almost unrecognizable, while she was out on her morning run. She was a morning run. She was doing a keep herself in shape. She was a beautiful young woman. She was a great person, best nursing student there was. I spoke to her parents yesterday. They're incredible people. They're devastated beyond, beyond belief. But she was beautiful, just so beautiful in so many ways and brutally assaulted, horrifically beaten, kidnapped and savagely murdered. The monster that charged, uh, charged in the death is an illegal alien migrant who was led into our country and released into our communities by crooked Joe Biden. He's crooked. It's uh, allowing thousands and thousands of people to come in from China, Iran, Yemen, the Congo, Syria, and a lot of other nations. Many nations are not very friendly to us as he's transported the entire He talked about of, uh, the details of the problem, the which is actually kind of hard to put in a soundbite. Um, he's an expert. He knows it. He solved it. He wants to solve it again. And you can solve so much of this stuff through executive order. It literally takes a pen and some paper. What does Joe Biden want, like any Democrat these days? Billions of dollars. It takes billions of dollars to do anything. The idea there's no such thing as climate change. I love that, man. I love some of my Neanderthal friends uh, who still think there's no climate change. Well, my administration is going to keep building on the progress we've made fighting climate crisis. I forgot about that. He, calls, he called people who disagree with him Neanderthals. I have not heard that one since third grade, maybe second, Neanderthals. People don't say that anymore, right? Kinder, gentler. All right, here's the part about all the money they need to fix the problem. I just received a briefing from the Border Patrol at the border, as well as immigration and enforcement, asylum officers, and they're all doing incredible work under really tough conditions, really tough conditions. They told me what, they, what, what you already know and we already know. They desperately need more resources. Say it again, they desperately need more resources, need more agents, more officers, more judges, more equipment in order to secure our border. Folks, it's time for us to move on this. We can't wait any longer. Uh, it's always, you know, more money, Ukraine, border, there are things, if this is not a money issue, okay? And I want to show you again Joe Biden with the Border Patrol. And the entire time, he's yammering away, telling these people, telling them stories, that kind of stuff. All right, everybody knows the border is his fault and responsibility. Now this. 
Make him pay for it, and now is the time to make him pay for it dearly. And Donald Trump shall pay E. Jean Carroll dearly to the tune of $83.3 million. Boy, if you're Donald Trump, you have to be feeling very anxious. And then there's the question, does he have the money? Those numbers start to add up. That's, we're talking about real money. What Trump is really dreading is a judgment in this case and the AG's case that would wipe out his cash, that would force him to liquidate assets to be able to pay both of those judgments. That would really put the lie to his proclamations of endless wealth. Wow, they were positively giddy, weren't they, to watch the demise of Donald Trump. Well, he wasn't falling, he wasn't, and he's not. And now they've had cold water thrown in their face. These people, it's actually very interesting. April 22nd, SCOTUS announced yesterday that they're going to decide the Trump immunity case as it applies to January 6th. Now, I got to admit, I thought, okay, noted, uh, tune in on April 22nd. I didn't think too much of it. But these, uh, these uh, fake news uh, uh, former prosecutors, they're so keyed in and they're so maniacal about they know that Trump will not be tried on the January 6th stuff and most likely most of the stuff before the election. And man, are they sad about that? This decision makes it likely it's going to be pushed several months, at least up, butted up to the election or even past it. Good news for the former president. We will keep losing every day. We allow these six Republicans in robes to rule over all of us. This is BS. You are doing this as a dilatory tactic to help your political, uh, your political friend, your partisan patron. And for, for you to say that this is something that the court needs to decide because it's something that's unclear in the law is just flagrant, flagrant bullpucky. And they know it. And they don't care that we know it. And that's disturbing about the future legitimacy of the court. <laughs> she said, Bill, Bill Pucky, Bull Pucky, whatever Bull Pucky is, you know, what's Bull Pucky locking up a former president of the United States for conducting politics, for picking up the phone and saying to some folks in Georgia, you know what? I don't know about that for writing a check with his own money and giving it to his lawyer. That's Bull Pucky or something else. I want to address this immunity thing real quick because they try to confuse the issue. It actually is not. Now, presidents should have immunity. Sometimes they don't. Richard Nixon was granted a pardon. Why was it? People cite this as well. If he got a pardon, then he was afraid of being prosecuted. So therefore, there can be no presidential immunity. No presidential immunity for official actions that must be in place. It has been in place. What he was accepting the pardons for, you know, he may have had a role in ordering the break-in of a Democrat Party headquarters for partisan purposes, not national security or anything like that. That is way outside the scope of presidential activity, right? It wasn't an official act. But for Donald Trump, on January 6th, throughout November, December, if he wanted to object to that election, if he had doubts and concerns about the fairness of that election, especially in the wake of COVID, he is allowed to. In fact, one might even say he has a duty to, and that would be within his uh, official responsibilities as president. And if you don't like it, whatever, you try to take him to court, he's got immunity for that stuff. That's what the Supreme Court is going to look into. 
But wow, they are just devastated because if it happens in April, it takes some time to make the decision, and then there's not going to be a trial before November. And uh, this is her name is Lisa Rubin. I see her on the MSNBC a lot, and uh, oh, she was very excited, right? You remember her? I showed you her a moment ago. What Trump is really dreading is a judgment in this case and the AG's case that would wipe out his cash, that would force him to liquidate assets to be able to pay both of those judgments. That would really put the lie to his proclamations of endless wealth. Wow, really excited and pretty, pretty uh, casual there, accusing people of lying the lie to his proclamations of endless, what do you know about his finance? It just, anyway, she got the message, the Supreme Court, what they did. Watch how devastated she is. And then we're going to educate her on the other side. I think about sitting on my couch on January 6th, 2021, and watching a building that I love. I was a House and Senate aide before I became a lawyer, watching a building that I love plundered. And I think about what the judge is saying now and the intellectual underpinnings of the MAGA movement and thinking about what that could look like. I am not overly optimistic right now. I'm very troubled by the <laughs> word alleged here and what role it plays in the disposition of this case. I am beyond terrified, Nicole, right now for our country. This is not a moment I hoped would come. It's not a moment I expected would come. I honestly thought that there would be enough votes on the court not to take this case. Get a grip and also tone it down because this kind of rhetoric, that's the threat to democracy, right? That's the problem. I'll have more on January 6th and this woman and how dangerous what she's doing actually is. And also I dove into the Hunter Biden transcript. There are some gems there that a lot of folks are missing. Be right back. I think about sitting on my couch on January 6th, 2021, and watching a building that I love. I was a House and Senate aide before I became a lawyer, watching a building that I love plundered. And I think about what the judge is saying now and the intellectual underpinnings of the MAGA movement and thinking about- What's wrong with the intellectual underpinnings of the MAGA movement? Strong borders, not getting into dopey foreign wars that we have no intention of winning. What's the beef with the MAGA movement? Here's the problem I have with this kind of over-the-top emotionalism when they are dealt a setback in court. Notice Donald Trump, he's been, he's been showing up in court. His lawyers have been filing briefs and doing things. He's following the law. It's funny. When our side, maybe we have an issue with with COVID or we wonder for a moment, hmm, the election of 2020, you know, was it really all that perfect? They say that we inspire January 6th, right? Or we inspire some sort of uprising. What is that kind of language inspiring? When she talks about MAGA and, and others, about Donald Trump, as if he's some sort of monster, that could inspire somebody on the left to, I don't know, maybe throw a bunch of guns and knives in a bag and drive across country and show up at Donald Trump's house or maybe Justice Kavanaugh's house. They've got to watch their rhetoric. Now, unlike them, I'm not saying that she should be arrested or banned or anything like that. You're allowed in a free country to say stuff like this, and I'm allowed to say stuff like this. Let's put January 6th in context, though, okay? Please, once again, I have to. Number one, who was the little cop? 
Uh, it was plundered, you say? I don't know. Why did they let people inside? Why did they just stand there as people came in? And if you are really uh, Lisa Rubin so caught up and emotional, why don't you dedicate those energies to, say, investigating the death of Ashley Babbitt and why those officers just walked off their post, just walked away so the mob could start banging away at that door. Isn't that something, right? And she said, oh, the Capitol was plundered. The Capitol, the Capitol was back in business in about two hours. That's it. Black Lives Matter, they destroyed cities. 9-11, we're not stupid. And the Capitol has seen a lot worse. 1915, was it? Yeah, a bomb went off. A bomb. Nobody talks about that, but a bomb. That was bigger than January 6th. 1954, some crazy lunatics shot members of Congress in Congress. Five representatives were shot. Another bomb went off in the Senate in 1983. And on and on and on. And how about this? You know, two police officers, two Capitol Hill police officers were shot and killed in 1998 by another nut job who showed up. There are nut jobs in America. We have to, it, 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 there always have been, always will be. Every time they say January 6th is the worst thing that ever happened since the War of 1812, what about Detective Gibson there? What about Officer Chestnut? What about their families, huh? And what Donald Trump said on January 6th, again, this is politics. You're allowed to engage in politics. They're trying to illegalize speech, even speech that is harmless. And yes, harmless, like what Donald Trump said on January 6th. And we fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. You really think that that was code for uh, start breaking stuff? The word fight? I'll get to the word fight in a moment. Everybody uses it. I had a fight with the boss. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean anything. And I didn't have a fight with the boss. My boss is great. Mike Pence, you're allowed to talk about Mike Pence. You're allowed to have disagreements with your vice president. He looked at Mike Pence and I hope Mike is gonna do the right thing. I hope so. I hope so. Because if Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. All he has to do, all in, this is, this is from the number one or certainly one of the top constitutional lawyers in our country. He has the absolute right to do it. That's an opinion from John Eastman. And even if John Eastman didn't have it, there are people who view the Electoral Count Act of 1887 differently. We, we have those kinds of disputes all the time. That's why we have a Supreme Court. Did you know that there are courts now trying to say that what Donald Trump said on January 6th is officially not First Amendment protected? Colorado, they kicked him off the ballot. President Trump's speech inciting the crowd that breached the U.S. Capitol was not protected by the First Amendment? What kind of language would you find suitable, Colorado? Stay the hell out of it. Because fighting, the word fight, doesn't mean whatever. Stay out of it. Rachel Platten had a song called Fight Song, right? Do I have to do this? I guess I do. It was the theme of Hillary Clinton's campaign. Uh, let's see, what other fight songs do we have? A lot. Christina Aguilera, not a big fan anymore. Uh, who else? The Fighting Irish from Notre Dame. And on and on and on. And do I have to play Democrats talking about fighting? Why not? What I'll do as president what Donald Trump hasn't. I'll fight for you. Yeah. Well, 
I will fight for you. I want to fight for you. Right, right, right. Oh, well, wait a second. Oh, they're saying they want to fight. Fight for people. That's good. How about just plain old fight? Well, they say that too. In the Senate, Democrats are going to fight like hell. We're going to fight like hell. So I'm going to fight like hell. We'll fight like hell to make sure that we act. As long as I'm president of the United States, I'm going to fight like hell. Oh, my goodness. Maybe that shouldn't be First Amendment protected speech. It seems so dangerous to me. Of course, it's First Amendment protected speech. They are, well, what do they call it? Weaponizing the law against people they don't like. Trump. You want to consider locking somebody up for something they said that is against the law? You're not allowed to threaten federal judges. You're not allowed to coerce them into doing things or threaten to do things to them if they don't vote the way you want them to vote. Right, Chuck Schumer? I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. This is a crime right there. It's uh, we know we know a threat when we hear one. Donald Trump saying you got to fight like hell. Mike Pence should do the right thing. That's politics. That is constitutionally protected. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? But look, this is all failed for the um, for the left. They thought that we would cut and run from Trump the moment we saw that mugshot. Right. The moment we saw Donald Trump at the defense table, people are more sophisticated. Now, Donald Trump will in a couple of weeks have to undergo the, the trial here in New York about the check that he wrote to Michael Cohen and something about Stormy Daniels. Right. This is something his own money given to his own lawyer and he's in trouble for it. Uh, I've never heard of anyone reporting income to the IRS and getting in trouble for that. But that's one of the issues here, according to D.A. Alvin Bragg, who doesn't care much for uh, prosecuting murderers. But this is his this is what he's going to be known for trying to get Trump. In order to complete the scheme, they plan to mischaracterize the repayments to Mr. Cohen as income to the New York State tax authorities. The New York State tax authorities, the tax authorities, they hate it when you declare income, don't they? The world is totally and completely insane. And it's not getting any saner. Uh, who remembers Hillary Clinton in 2016? She was going to lose the election all along, but this sealed the deal. You can put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. <laughs> Homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. So that was awful and terrible and one of the many reasons why she lost the race. Nobody would ever say that, right? I mean, going forward, you would learn your lesson. No. In fact, two people, professors, just wrote a book. Here's the title, right? Uh, White Rural Rage, The Threat to American Democracy. If you live in the country and you're white, you are a threat that they just say it. They don't they don't say extremists. They don't say just say white people who live outside of cities are a threat to democracy. A professor, a professor. More on that probably tomorrow when I come back. Hunter Biden.
All right, there's uh, Hunter Biden soaking it all in, loving the attention. He was before the House Oversight Committee for, what was it, seven hours? I'm still going through the transcript. Uh, there are some dynamite moments that are being totally overlooked. I talked about that earlier. Much more to come here. Have you heard the name Jason Galanis? Jason Galanis uh, was a business associate of Devin Archer's. He's actually in prison. And he had a few things to say about Hunter. Uh, the committee went to meet him, I think a week ago or so, and this is what he said from Jason Galanis. Uh, I am certain that Hunter was discussing our business efforts on the Burnham Harvest Partnership, I think that was the China deal, and that the vice president was aware of these efforts. I was present when Hunter Biden called his father on a cell phone and put the call on speaker. Mark Paoletta, one of our favorite lawyers, happens to be representing Jason Galanis in this matter and others. And, of course, he's a great conservative and a big defender of Clarence Thomas. We'll get to that in a bit. But, Mark Paoletta, welcome back. Uh, Got to say, your client, Jason Galanis, his name has not figured prominently in all of this. Is maybe a good, bad thing. Tell us a little bit about who he is and where he is and what's happening here. Sure. Jason, uh, first of all, Greg, thanks for having me on. Um, Jason Galanis um, was a business partner of Hunter Biden and Devin Archer, and uh, he hasn't figured prominently because he's been serving time in um, Montgomery Federal Prison Camp down in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, he was uh, pled guilty to uh, securities fraud uh, back uh, in, in 1917 um, and 20. He was re um, resentenced, but in any event, 16-year sentence. Um, but it was with transactions that Hunter Biden and Devin Archer were involved with. And as you recall, Devin Archer was also uh, convicted. He went to trial. But um, Jason has been in prison, but he had sought home confinement uh, back in the beginning of 2023. And it looks like there's lots of evidence that the Southern District of New York intervened to prevent him from uh, getting home confinement, which would give him much better access to congressional investigators, much better access to his records to be a witness uh, and provide information to the committee uh, on Hunter Biden and, and Devin Archer, but really Hunter Biden. So uh, they asked him about your client, Jason Galanis, yesterday. They asked Hunter about this. Let's put up C04. Uh, are you familiar? And you're familiar with Jason Galanis is the question. And Hunter says, no, I know the name because it's been reported in the press I think that 10 years ago, for 30 minutes, I was introduced to Jason Galanis, and that's only the only time I ever recall meeting him. You know, I'm skeptical about that right there because it has not been widely reported in the press, uh, or, or I, I, not that I've seen. But what do you make of what Hunter said yesterday? That's a complete lie. Uh, he knows Jason Galanis. He was a partner with Jason Galanis. There's lots of emails with him with Jason Galanis. Um, he was at a party with Jason Galanis. Uh, he was at the uh, Peninsula Bar with Jason Galanis when he's talking to his father about that harvest deal you mentioned. With respect to the the call with um, uh, at a party that uh, Hunter was at, uh, Jason talked about it in his testimony. He um, uh, was with a, a group of people, including Yelena Batarina, the Russian oligarch, and her former and her husband, who was the former mayor of Moscow, and Devin Archer. Um, and it was on May 4th, uh, 2014. It's on Hunter's schedule uh, on his calendar. But he, he brought the group over to, uh, to call his father, okay, to say, hey, Dad, I'm with the people I told you about. We're coming into town. And the father said, Joe Biden, the vice president at the time, this is in 2014, said, uh, you take good care of my son. And Hunter said, everything's moving along. Things are going well. 
and uh, I'll call you later. Okay, that was with Yelena Batarina standing there. They said hello to the vice president. The vice president said hello to her. Okay, um, the, the the former mayor doesn't only speak, speaks any English, so he didn't speak uh, to the vice president. But five days later, five days later. Um, Yelena Batarina is, is uh, shown on an email committing to another 10 to $20 million in a Burnham Hunter Biden project uh, with, with Devin Archer. And so you see the, what Jason is providing at the t at, you know, for the committee, Greg, is real time at the time uh, evidence of Joe Biden helping Hunter Biden in his business ventures. OK, there's an email that Jason produced to the committee that shows that, you know, that infamous photo of, of uh, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden. Uh, and uh, Devin Archer on a golf course, okay? That was in, um, in 2014, August of, of 2014. There's an email from, um, a draft email from August 23rd making reference to that golf game, a golf match, and saying, I spoke to my father. This was gonna be an email that was sent to the, the Chinese uh, investors saying, I spoke to my father about being on the board of Harvest after um, his vice presidency. And that was the lure of this gigantic uh, Chinese company to do, do business with Hunter Biden was the idea of getting access to Joe Biden using the Biden name, using the Biden contacts in the United States and around the world. Um, all right. Two things. What is this going to be able to, are we going to be able to get, is your client going to be able to get out of jail? I mean, this is of significant value, although we have heard some of this before from Devin Archer, but it backs it up. Are you trying to, hey, you know, this guy shouldn't be in here. He know, I mean, practically speaking, what do you do with this? Yeah, I mean, I think what happens with respect to, with, with, Devin always talked about the vice president calling in to check on Hunter. This is evidence of, of Hunter calling out to his father uh, with with the, with investors, with business associates with him, in, in this case, uh, you know, Yelena Batarina and a Russian oligarch. Um, uh, my my client, if the, if the committee wants him, will be happy to testify in open at a, at a public hearing. Um, Chairman Comer is talking about uh, having public hearings and Jason Galanis is more than happy to come and and testify in public and challenge. I, I think, you know, Hunter Biden my understanding, he said many untruthful things in that uh, in, in that in that deposition, uh, including the fact that he didn't know Jason Galanis. It's just a flat-out lie. Um, and so uh, we welcome Jason welcomes the opportunity to come testify and and provide documents, additional documents as to what he knows about the Bidens, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and their business dealings while the the vice while Joe Biden served as vice president. Got it. And Mark Paolette, if you don't mind, in a couple of seconds, just update us on your friend, Justice um, Clarence Thomas. He's a hero to many of us, and uh, he's taken it from the fake news for a few months there. How's he doing? And uh, anything you care to share? He's doing great. He's, as, as he would say, he's doing his J-O-B, right? And uh, the Supreme Court is the best it's been in 50 years, 70 years, and it's all because of, primarily because of Justice Thomas. So there's the, he's, he's suffering the slings and arrows but he's not going anywhere. I love it. Mark Paoletta, thank you very much. Keep Thanks, us uh, posted on the status of your client, Jason Galanis. A lot of interesting things to say, it looks like, and as said already, to be continued, and we'll be right back. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people.
Well, two of our best national security experts, Blaine Holt, the Air Force veteran, retired general, C-17 pilot, and Gordon Chang, the author, the China expert, and the man who keeps us up at night, literally. Oh my goodness, Gordon, the latest tweet. Pray with all your might. Fight with all you got. Never has the world been so dangerous. Uh, yikes. And Gordon, you are a uh, educated man. You are a deliberate man. And uh, yet you are telling us what I guess we need to be told. Uh, care to elaborate? Well, first of all, we see a rapid deterioration in peace and stability around the world. You know, first it was Afghanistan, Ukraine, North Africa, Middle East. We're seeing some very dangerous activities on the part of China along its periphery. You know, a lot of people will say that the Cuban Missile Crisis was the most dangerous moment in history, or maybe the Checkpoint Charlie crisis of the year before. But we know from the archives, Greg, that neither Khrushchev nor Kennedy were willing to use their nukes. And now we have Vladimir Putin openly threatening to do so. Xi Jinping has been making those same threats, as well as Kim Jong-un. It's just I don't know where all of this stops, because I don't see anybody in the Biden administration asserting American power to reestablish stability. Wow. Uh, geez. I thought you were going to allay our fears and worries a little bit. Uh, General Holt, uh, what's your sense of the moment? Oh, yeah, we're absolutely in a corner that historically has no precedent. Um, we now have mutually assured destruction doctrine, which we hung our hats on from the end of World War II to the end of the Cold War. That seems to be gone. The reason is, is and it gets back to this Hunter Biden story that broke today on these leaks, is you never had the equation uh, laid out where the United States government itself was compromised in any way, shape, or form. So all this weakness that we've been projecting, China's been paying for that. And they're in trouble, and the CCP is backed into a corner. So uh, these are very perilous times. We would do very well to now mind our security, go back and review all of these decisions that were very favorable to China, that looked the other way on things, and we should ask ourselves, why are we so wedded to this war in Europe and without a strategy? Um, it seems to me that our number one danger, clear and present danger, is here at home living amongst us. You know, uh, two things. The balloon, we blew that off. And COVID, there have been no, and, and a million other things. Gordon, I don't know if you saw how much of uh, the transcript, which I'm still reading, Hunter Biden. I mean, they catch him in all kinds of lies, you know, about not getting money from Jonathan Lee. And then, oh, yeah, I got money, but it was a loan. Can you tell us a little bit about the strategy that the Chinese have? The Chinese Communist Party has a strategy to do what they did here, apparently, allegedly, I think for totally certain, compromise foreign leaders' families and foreign leaders themselves. What is that thing called? Yeah, it is compromise, and it's blackmail, and it's intimidation. You know, once they pay you, they know they got you. And also with Hunter Biden on Chinese soil, I'm sure that was, a, that was actually a very troubled time in his life. I'm sure the Ministry of State Security in Beijing has all sorts of evidence. And they could be using that as blackmail or at least hanging it over Biden's head. So really what we have here is a political establishment in Beijing that thinks it owns the president. There was a guy named Di Dongsheng, a well-known academic, gave a live stream lecture in November of 2020, 
basically saying that the Chinese, with Biden coming in, the Chinese would determine outcomes at the highest levels of the American political system. They said that he hadn't done that during the Trump administration because Trump broke those connections. And they said Biden was going to put them back in place to help Beijing. If I could go down, you know, at Bi Biden, look, obviously seems to be out to lunch, yet we have these concerns about him and the Chinese and everybody else seems to know stuff about him. So while he's dealing with that or not dealing with it, he's got a staff and one of his staff members is Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor. I noticed something uh, the other day. He uh, was making the rounds on the Sunday shows and this happened. Uh, please play D07. We are looking at some setbacks, including in recent days, because Ukraine didn't have enough ammunition. It comes down to basic arithmetic. We need money to be able to provide the weapons to Ukraine. We don't have the money. Only Congress can provide the money. I've personally gone up and briefed the speaker and other members. Uh, Secretary Austin, Secretary Blinken, our intelligence community have all gone up. We've laid out in writing how we look at the strategy for Ukraine to prevail and for Russia to fail in this. We've gotten good feedback. We have answered and engaged on the questions relative to the strategy. We are gonna be vigilant about that and we will engage the Congress on a bipartisan basis. All right. Yeah, whatever. But uh, here's the weird part. He didn't mention Joe Biden once. Not one mention of Joe Biden. He's his national security advisor. It sounded to me like almost he thought he was the president and maybe he is in some way. Blaine, am I reading too much into this? No. And it's so good that this is now unraveling right now because we've got a chance to hit the reverse gear. So Jake Sullivan, look look at this article that came out in the New York Times four days ago, where the CIA essentially admits that going back to 2014, 10 years ago, they orchestrated the coup against Yanukovych that started all the tumblers that took out Crimea, started that war, and got the war really heated in recent times. Listen, Greg, these are all the exact same people. And now he's saying we spent $120 billion, so just $60 billion more will get us where we need to be. That is ridiculous. They are losing militarily because academics like Jake Sullivan are the field generals in this. They're not even asking the Pentagon military strategists for help. They're doing it by themselves, thinking that throwing another few rounds of ammunition at this are going to work. But but. Listen, weapons and money are part of it. So are strategy and diplomacy. And they vacated those last two. Now they have to pay the piper. And and what we understand is, is from Putin's threats against us, all that stuff that goes back to 2014 is tempting World War III right now. They need to be hauled into Congress. They need to be asked. And we need to off-ramp this war. Thank you, General Holt. Thank you, Gordon Chang. Uh, to be continued and... Uh, I mean, let me see that tweet one more time. Pray with all Please. your might. Fight with all you got. Never has the world been so dangerous. Gordon Chang, thank you especially, and you too, General. We'll be right back. All right, so Hunter Biden went to the House Oversight Committee. Uh, the story is already kind of fading away. He was in there for seven hours. There's lots of dynamite stuff in this transcript, 200 pages. It takes a long time. This just came out a couple of hours ago to assimilate this stuff. Good for the House Oversight Committee. They put out a one-page summary, and, you know, it gets alerted, and then it evaporates. Folks, we don't do that around here, right? I go a little bit deeper. I'm going to read the whole thing. I am not there yet. So one of the reasons why media, they don't go... 
you know, number one, it's hard to read all this stuff. You can't necessarily make it look slick, right? Uh, especially when it just came out. So do me a favor, bear with me. I found some nuggets so far, crucial nuggets, some more crucial than others, and we're gonna go through them, all right? This man, Hunter, is pathologically arrogant, dishonest, I think he's a grifter, and it really does appear as though Joe Biden, certainly the family was getting kickbacks, and it's inconceivable to me that the president wasn't getting money as well. But let's go to the evidence. Uh, very early on, it gives you an idea of who this guy is, okay? Did there come a time when you went with your father on Air Force Two to Beijing, China, for one of your father's official government trips? Now, we've all seen that, right? We've all seen the picture. He says, I traveled with my father on that trip as I've traveled with my father my entire life. Well, making it sound like they were always going off to the woods, you know, Boy Scout camps and stuff like this. Well, Hunter was lurking about not just China, but all kinds of trips where, well, what role did he have there? <laughs> I mean, most people have full-time jobs, right? This is... This is sleazy, folks. It is. Next, please. I want to jump down. It gives you an idea how the, the attorneys handle this stuff. I know it's hard to read, but uh, the, the Republicans ask, isn't it true that you received $142,000 from a Kazakhstani oligarch to purchase a car in the Rosemont Seneca Bohai account, his account? His lawyer says, I'm sorry, what do you mean by Kazakhstani oligarch? Could you identify the person who makes him? And they say, okay, it's Kenneth Rakishev. And they say, well, what makes him an oligarch? And it goes on like this, delay tactics. We know people when they're running out the, uh, running out the clock. All right, I want to go ahead to the next part. Based upon the records that we've reviewed, you and Devin Archer were unable to purchase this 20% equity into BHR Partners until after your father met with Jonathan Lee in Beijing. I completely disagree with the characterization and the way you just stated that. It had nothing to do with the meeting with Jonathan Lee. Jonathan Lee was a guy in Beijing. Hunter introduced his father, the vice president of the United States, on that trip. Are we out of time already? Oh, shoot. Just getting good. Well, pick this up tomorrow. That's fine. I got a lot more reading to do. Folks, um, I encourage you to tune in tomorrow, all right? No one else is going to do this. We'll be right back. My four-year-old Annalise giving me a haircut. Crazy hair. Crazy hair. She's obsessed with crazy hair. And I'm obsessed with her and her sister and her mommy. Thank you so much. Much more tomorrow night, okay? I'll uh, have a better handle on this deposition. Thank you.